Hello and welcome to the Kensington Podcast. This week, Lewis meets Valentino, the founder of Valentino, the Art of Presence on Thackeray Street, just off Kensington High Street. The term the Art of Presence came up because it is something that can be cultivated. Doesn't matter if you're short or tall or dark or light, whether you're male or female, everyone has something that can be cultivated to actually be, you are your own brand. Once again, we would love you to get in touch with us. You can do so by visiting our website, visitkensington.co.uk. And now without further ado, let's get straight to the interview with Valentino from Valentino, The Art of Passion. This week, I've got the pleasure to talk to Valentino, the owner of a beauty saloon located in one of the Kensington's little villages, Thackeray Street. Thanks so much for your availability and talking to us. Thank you for inviting me. No problem at all. Um, can you tell us about uh, a bit about yourself and uh, and your business, which is, by the way, has got your own name, Valentino? Yes. Well, the reason the salon's called Valentino is because I've been called that since I was a little boy, although my family name is Valentini, which is plural for Valentino. Right. Yes. And the reason I ended up calling it the art Valentino, the art of presence, is because I've had so many clients I've been doing for over 40 years. And um, I learned a lot from my father, who was a, a champion hairdresser himself. And one of the ethos which has always been important to me was the idea of helping people to cultivate their own sense of style. So although it's predominantly a hair salon, the beauty side of it really relates to helping people optimize the health of their skin as much as my hairdressing with my mind brush and our own products are related to helping people optimize the quality of their hair. So I have many clients I've been doing since the 1970s who come from all over the world, in fact, not just London or Kensington. And it's always a privilege to see them and an honor to still have them following me. Uh, some of them are stuck in various places like Switzerland for the last year and are a bit frustrated, but there you go. What's really interesting, since I started in 1981 there, it was definitely predominantly an English environment. Most of the clients were English, most of the people who came to me from wherever were English, and slowly over the years I noticed, whether it's uh, French or Americans, more and more English people seem to move out and uh, it became more and more of a, an international area, which is terrific. And that's how I slowly managed to get more clients who came from other parts of the world. I think the area has benefited enormously from the influx of whether it's French or Americans or even Russians. They've all brought something interesting. But interestingly enough, they've all come there because they loved something quintessentially English about Kensington which is quite different to many of the other central London areas, maybe like Marlebone or even Grosvenor Square and places like that, you know? So what's really wonderful is that over the 40 years, it's definitely swung back that the English side of it has maintained the stability of what the uh, foreign influx like. And I think it's, it's a wonderful mix. The most fantastic thing about the area is that there are so many interesting varieties of people, whether they're in music or whether they're in the arts or literature. Uh, it really is quite interesting. It's a real melting pot of intellectual people. 
or good business people or artistic people. And it seems to work. And I think that's why people like Emilio and Gordon next door, who's a family man, we actually like this interesting mixture. It's a far more creative, makes us actually more responsive, actually, to the needs of different types of people. So it actually keeps us on our toes and uh, we enjoy our work more thanks to that mix. But just to go back to to the when you start your business, what was the main reason why you opened in Kensington? I was working in Mayfair and lived in Wimbledon, and uh, I knew I wanted an area that was quiet because I don't like the high street noise, and I wanted it where there were lots of locals living. And I also wanted an area where it was quite easy to get to on the tube or the bus or a cab. And uh, I just started looking on the map. And strangely enough, I found that area. And then I found a couple of salons. And that's the one I, I decided to go for. Commercially, I definitely could have been financially more successful being in a more prominent area. But as far as my lifestyle and how I see things culturally, it suits me. Yeah, definitely. You know, Thackeray Street has got a very uh, specific atmosphere. And um, in terms of uh, something that I really liked about your... Uh, actually, you just mentioned, I, I think is the name of your business. Why the art of presence? What What's the inspiration for that uh, concept? Well... When I first started the salon, I came up with a lot of titles around the concept of being holistic. I even called the salon Valentino Holistics for a little no, bit of really? time. But it took 40 years for people to understand what the word holistic meant. And I now right, feel yeah. it may actually take people 40 years to understand what the art of presence means. <laughs> But it actually... It's, it's about people cultivating their own style. I mean, if someone like you comes to me, I'm really interested in how we get the way you look to fit with the way you feel, both your culture and in your work. So part of what I do, I have an area in the salon called the Light and Color Lab. I've been working with many image consultants for many years to do with color and how they wear their clothes, etc., But ultimately, the term the art of presence came up because it is something that can be cultivated. Doesn't matter if you're short or tall or dark or light, whether you're male or female, everyone has something that can be cultivated to actually be, as we discussed the other day, this concept of you are your own brand. And what I discovered Many, for many, many years is that most salons, including the, you know, the big names from the 1960s, for me, they, in a way, made a mess of this whole cultivation of people's own personality by branding them with a particular haircut or a particular cut of color or style. My personal view is that by analyzing people for many years and realizing that they weren't happy with how they felt or how they felt they should be looking, I realized that actually they were preventing themselves from discovering their own sense of style. And through my work, I've realized that everyone has a number of facets and you need to learn to look and feel differently depending on the facet. So for example, You know, if you're going out at the weekend, you may not dress or need to have the same kind of style with your hair that you may have when you need to go to work. 
So I have a, a grid which I help people decide sort of three different moods, whether it's more dramatic or less dramatic. It's three different work moods relating to either going out, going to work or party, for example, or whether you want to be dramatic, more relaxed looking or demure. You know, there, there are different sorts of characters that you discover people are looking for. So I use the term the art of presence to help people understand that, look, I don't want to just cut your hair. I don't want to just show you about color and style. They're not independent. They're all parts of your brand, part of who you are. And you should really look at being the best you can be rather than looking at that person over there and saying, oh, I wish I could dress like that or I wish I could have her haircut, you know? I noticed that people were actually diminishing the sense of who they were by having that approach to their own style. Right. Well, very, very, very interesting. And uh, in terms of uh, this pandemic, how have you been coping? And um, has your business um, changed in any way? Well, I wrote a letter to Boris before <laughs> we actually closed down on the 20th of March. And I realized immediately that, you see, businesses like ours, whether it's a media or myself, we require being 70% occupied or more to make a 5% profit at the end of the year. So if we're actually 50% occupied, we're actually running at a loss. So I immediately felt that what they should have done is cut the VAT mechanism completely to give us a 20% threshold. So that was the financial side that I thought would affect me. However, after the first lockdown, and because I have hundreds of clients that I'm keeping in touch with that I've known for 30, 40 years, what I discovered was that when they were coming back, that uh, a number I have not seen again, a number have emailed me and said that their whole lives have imploded. I have families where their sons uh, that I've been doing, let's say the son and the cousin, They've all lost their jobs. So, in fact, instead of me feeling the need that I have to put the prices up and we need to cut the VAT threshold, I'm looking at some individuals and thinking, wow, how am I going to help them to be able to afford to come back to me? So I can see that the rent and rates and everything are going to have to completely implode. People's attitude, for example, for blow dries, who's going out anywhere? So that whole market has disappeared. So there's, there's definitely been a mental and emotional an emotional shift towards how they're going to have their hair done and why. So as far as my business is concerned, I can see that there's no way it's going to ever be the way it was pre-March 2020. We're going to have to reinvent ourselves to do other things. Uh, the gap between appointments is definitely going to be longer. And the other thing I've found, it's actually really difficult to keep the team motivated. Uh, we met the other day. I've been pulling some of them into the salon once a week to do training, socially distanced training and whatever, because I realized that actually they're finding it very difficult to come back to work. After the first lockdown, they found it really difficult to get into gear again. Sure. The other problem we have is that the government, I feel, has made a big mistake allowing everyone to feel that they can just be on long-term furlough in the unrealistic reality that they're going to come back to work and they're all going to be re-employed. I see many, many people, in, Emilio and I have discussed this, 
he's not going to take back 100% of his staff and give them a pay rise. You're going to find that 50% will come back, the other 50% are let go. And chances are the people who do come back, we're going to have to give them a pay cut just simply because you can't pay 10, 10 pounds an hour for someone to make no coffee. You know, sure. if there's no one to make the coffee for, what are you going to do? And so we're really having to reinvent ourselves on our feet all the time. And I, my biggest frustration is my salon, when I, when I rebuilt it uh, two or three years ago, we actually put in a very good venting system. So we have airflow working properly. So we could actually function probably better than most hospitals in London. The government hasn't worked out how we can actually function as businesses with a pandemic while socially distancing, because this thing is not going to go away. We need to work out how can my salon be open in the midst of this long-term problem, yeah, COVID-19, 20, whatever comes. Yeah, there is no point waiting till we've all had a vaccine and every world, the world's okay, and then we open up the shutters again. It'll be a different world by then. Absolutely, totally agree with you. And uh, because you are your business is in Kensington and in the very specific village, as I mentioned, do you feel that uh, because of this pandemic, do you feel uh, there is a, a stronger community spirit, and uh, do you feel like the local residents like supportive? Uh, I think what I saw, uh, and Emilio will bear this out when we. During the first lockdown, everyone was very positive and extremely supportive. I was getting a lot of emails, a lot of WhatsApps. Everyone was, right, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. Hey, can't wait to see you. Book an appointment and come. But because they have shut us down now for the third time, what I've noticed is that even the strongest minds that I know, many people who live in Kensington and Chelsea, they are literally cracking up. They're cracking up under the strain of not knowing how to handle life, let alone whether they should or they shouldn't come to the salon. Emotionally, they are far more fragile than before, and there's a lot less communication going on than before. You know, you walk around the streets and it feels definitely more dead than before. I think the government's missed a trick here by not recognizing that, okay, I said, removing the VAT threshold and making sure we can find a way of working socially distanced, but keep the businesses open during the pandemic. That's one thing, because the business is fragile. But the other thing that's even more fragile, which I've studied for many years through my business of working with people, is actually the psychological fragility of the human being. Once you've knocked him down and you make him feel he's lost confidence to go out the front door, to open his own business or even to go into a business, you've created a very, very fragile environment that I think will take probably years to rebuild. It won't happen in months. Now, how many businesses like mine can survive a year or two of this uh, fragile economic social environment and actually say to themselves, you know what? I'm going to keep going. I am going to be there in two years' time. Or how many will have to close because they themselves don't have the mental capacity to have the courage to keep going through this? Yeah. Does that make any sense? A lot of sense. And um, 
I mean, thanks very much because uh, I think this interview has been like uh, very, very interesting because it's been very updated uh, in terms of uh, what's going on exactly. I, I, I totally feel what you were saying that the first lockdown, everybody was so supportive. Now looks like, uh, I don't know, people really, uh, they don't care any longer. Um, and, but I, that's exactly what you mentioned. I think it's become yeah. a, a tiring, a very tiring situation and uh, and it's, it's taking too long. And uh, and we know it's going to take uh, still a long yeah. time to, to get things right. So, What's the um, point of keeping my business closed while you have people walking on the street who are not socially distancing or wearing masks? It's insane. Yeah, of course. The government needs to stop telling them they're behaving really well and start saying, hey, guys, only when you start doing the basics of social distancing and wearing a mask, can we reopen the businesses? Can you get a move on, please? Yeah, totally agree. So, <laughs> Valentino, it was a pleasure to speak to you and uh, thanks very much for your participation. In this podcast. Thank you very much. And, uh, Anytime you want to discuss anything like that, I'm here. <laughs> okay, that, that's great. Thank you, Valentino, and thank you, Luis, for bringing us that interview. Very interesting stuff. And I'm sure once lockdown is finally lifted, we'll all be supporting our local businesses, just like Valentino, by making appointments and doing what we can. We can survive this together. And that's all for this week. Join us again next week, and in the meantime, we wish you a very safe and happy week. Take care. Bye-bye.